First John chapter, excuse me, there's only one chapter, third John, third John, verse 11 says, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. So as we continue today, we'll be looking at verse 8. He says, We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Remember in verses 5 through 7, there were some people that had gone on missionary journey. They had come across Gaius, and Gaius had helped them along the way. He had supplied to their needs, and, and, uh, and John says that Gaius was faithful in what he had done. And that in verse 6, that the people that he had uh, ministered unto and had helped, that they bore witness of his charity or his love, which he had shown uh, to the church there where, where John was pastoring. So then today as we go forward, that, that message is going to be fellow helpers, the idea of fellow helpers. So that's co-laborer, a co-laborer, okay? So again, verse 8, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. So far in the book of 3 John, when we read the, uh, the verse 11, which is um, the summary verse, there's a contrast there. So from verse 1 to now verse number 8, there's one side of that contrast, that which is good, which is God, you know, which, do, which doeth good and is of God. Okay. So beginning next week, foreseeably, it looks like that we're going to be starting a, a, a lesson, at least one, maybe two lessons on diatrophies. And diatrophies in 3 John is a picture, or he is an actual person, but he's an illustration of that which is evil and hath not seen God. So John outright is calling diatrophies an unsaved man. He's saying he's not behaving as a saved man. He's saying, Gaius, I love you. I love you in the truth. These people bore witness that you walk in the truth. You do walk in the truth. They bore witness that you love and that you give in the truth. And we receive them and we receive them so that we would be help, fellow helpers of the truth, which is the gospel. So loving the Lord and doing what he says, trusting the Lord and doing what he says are evidences of salvation. You might think it's kind of mean or hard-hearted for John to say that Diatrophes is an unsaved person. Well, it's not, un, it's not ungodly to say that a goat is a goat or a pig is a pig or a cow is a cow. If someone is not following that which is good, but following that which is evil and doing that which is evil, then the Lord said, you'll know them by their fruit. And John was there when he said it. So John, not to run diatrophies down, and we will look at that moving forward, but not to run diatrophies down. He's just telling Gaius, it's not about diatrophies. It's not about Demetrius. It's not about me and you. It's follow that which is good, and that which followeth after good is of God. He that doeth not good hath not seen God. Right. So we're not quite to that, to that um, distinction there. Verse 9, we'll start that. But again, today we're looking at verse 8. So when he says in verse 8, we therefore, who's we? What's the church that he pastors? He says that, that these people in verse 6 came and, and testified. They bore witness of, of Gaius' uh, charity or his love before the church. The we there understood would be the church that John was a part of, presumably pastoring. Um, he doesn't say where he was. We know for a time that John was the pastor there at Ephesus, but we don't know where he was when he wrote this letter. But we, we can presume, and rightly so, that he's talking about himself along with the church. We. We receive, he says in verse 8, where, that we therefore ought to receive such. That word receive means to, to, to bring in as with hospitality. And those that did not receive every person, but those that went forward for Christ's namesake in verse 7, because that for his namesake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. So when John says that, that they receive them, they ought to receive those, that's not just in name or in welcome or in a handshake. But that is in housing and holding these people. It's to literally support them on their journey. And sure, with fellowship, I, I've been a guest in a place where I felt very unwelcome before, and maybe you have too. 
But they not only were housing these people and holding these people and taking care of these people, but they were knit with that bond of fellowship for the truth's sake, just as uh, uh, as John told Gaius in verse 1, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. So these that he received, both in housing and holding a fellowship, it appears as though he ought to have received them in a true fellowship sense, in a true welcoming sense, to make them feel welcome and at home. I perceived that when the DeWitts had, had come, that they certainly made me feel very welcome being here. They were, they were, they were well-received guests, and, and I trust that they felt that they were well-received of us. I know they were. They've expressed they were of, of this church, received. There's been other times what I, when I've noticed in, in different places that maybe a speaker uh, was not well-received, that a church would invite uh, a pastor to come speak for them and have them stay maybe at this place and that place, and after services, nobody invited them for supper and you know and that kind of stuff. And, and that, that's not a showing of hospitality. I believe that this is a true welcoming and reception that John is talking about. Bear with me. We're going somewhere with this. Because he said we ought to receive such that when we, we might be fellow, fellow helpers, fellow helpers to the truth. So he's also uh, inclining that the love that was expressed by Gaius as testified and born witness of, of those people who were on their journey, that Gaius also was a man of hospitality. Gaius also was a man of hospitality. He had house, he had hold, he, had, he, he gave them of his substance, he gave them what they needed, and they brought them forward on a godly sword, whatever they needed. I believe Gaius was there for that. He made them feel welcome. And I believe that was their testimony of him. They received, as with hospitality, those that, that understood truth and its manifestation. Okay, There's, there's some people, there's some, many, I guess, uh, have an idea of what truth is, but they don't understand how truth bears out. Okay, you, you can understand something that's written in the Word of God. You, know, you can go to the Proverbs and say, okay, well, the Proverbs says this, or the command says that. But how does that play out in our lives? How does loving God and loving your neighbor play out in their lives? It looks as though that Gaius knew how to love God and love his neighbor, that these people on their missionary journeys knew how to love God and love their neighbor, and they also perceived it in Gaius that he knew. They perceived it. Again, verse 6, which have borne witness of thy charity or love before the church. Not that he said he loved, but how he how he behaved himself with them. You see, it's important. It's important. Why is that important? It's not simply a creed or a knowledge set. They didn't say that he had a love before the church because he could articulate the doctrine of grace or because they, that he knew this truth or that truth. They could give you the lineage of Christ all the way back, back to Adam. Not because of those things, but because of how he behaved himself among believers. This would be evidence in, in, in Gaius and the way he lived his life. There's a lot of people, again, that say that they love God, but they don't, they don't fellowship with people who are godly. They fellowship with the world and they intermingle with the world, where the Lord himself said in John chapter 15, if you turn there just for a moment, in John chapter 15, John chapter 15, excuse me, Yes, chapter 15. It says in verse 18, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. The world would receive you, right? The world would bear record of your love toward it and its love toward you and receive you. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you, does not receive you. There's a conflict there. So between John and Gaius and these traveling ministers, there was no conflict. They received one another. They were fellowshippers with one another, fellow helpers. They, they, they had a bond of the truth there. So if someone says that they, that they love God and they love the truth, but they have a bond with this world and have no desire to fellowship with people who are saved, there's a problem there. In fact, we will again look at that the next time. But it was evidence in Gaius' life. Those brethren that had reported then, they perceived the charity or love in Gaius as a helper of the truth, not a hinderer, a helper, an advancer. 
when things that they needed to, to broadcast the gospel of Jesus Christ, Gaius was there to supply for that need. And they, they were able to articulate that. They received with hospitality those that had a firm understanding of church truth. You get, again, you could see that in verse 6 when he says, They have borne witness of thy charity before the church. So Gaius, a member of the church where he was, because he says in verse 9, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loved to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. So Diotrephes was a member of the same church Gaius was. So John is saying, I desired to write to your church where you are there, but Diotrephes wouldn't get the letter, wouldn't open it, wouldn't receive them. But these men that stayed with you were received, and they came and reported uh, it to us here at, at this church where we are, separate churches, not, not, not a universal church, but independent churches that had been started by authority. Okay, So it looks like John, who addressed himself in 2 John as the elder, to the elect lady and closes the letter, the children of thy elect sister greet thee, not individual women, but churches riding among one another. It appears as though the elder, John, the well-beloved, was a church guy. It appears as though these witnesses that were going back and forth between the churches were church people because they came from a church, a church member, and went to a church and, and, and gave report in the church. They testified or bore witness in a church, so that was important. And that Gaius himself was a church man also. It looks like everyone involved here is a church person. In fact, it also looks like Diatrophes, who appears to be an unsaved person, was also a church person because he operated through the church, didn't he? He says, I, I wrote unto the church, but Diatrophes, who loved to have the preeminence among them, among the church, receiveth us not. So even this unsaved person was a church person. So being a church person won't save you. But a saved person should desire to be, for the glory of God, a church person, because that's where Jesus Christ does receive his glory. To God be glory in the church, right? That's what the Bible says, the church. And not universal, the local assemblies. John, being a church guy, understood and taught and encouraged believers concerning the local church, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. That's what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. Paul wrote, unto Timothy, that he wrote these things if he tarried, that, that Timothy would know how to behave himself in the house of God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. Okay, In 3 John, we see that, that they testified again in verses 9 and 10, speaks of the church, but diatrophies wouldn't, wouldn't permit them. The, the book of Revelation, also written by John, in chapter 1 and verses 4 through 8, he says that he wrote to the seven churches in Asia. So the entirety of the book of Revelation is written to local independent churches that had authority. People go into the to all the all the stuff of Revelation, but that is a letter to a church and a church that churches that is that had authority. Okay, when that was going on, there were no other assemblies going on. They they uh, there there were, this is well before today's Reformation days, well before Reformation days, well before Constantine did his thing. It was when the Lord had His assembly. Okay. And that was it. There were no other uh, side notes there. You look in Revelation chapter 1, there's the seven golden candlesticks, which are the seven churches, and the seven stars, which are the seven uh, angels or pastors of those churches. The Lord takes his church very seriously. I believe John did as well. So specific, yes, we are to have hospitality with all believers, but specifically with believers among the Lord's local churches, I believe we should have uh, 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 far and above superior hospitality toward them. That would be right and it would be good. Why would they tell the church? Well, because it was important for the church to know these things. You know, sometimes we don't tell church, we don't, I mean, we shouldn't air all our dirty laundry, and I'm not saying we should, but we should tell each other uh, things that are going on, good things, bad things, whatever. If we have help, we have infirmities, we're to confess our faults to one another. Sometimes I think that, that the bearing witness before the church of different things is overlooked, really. And it's, it's possible to do in a smaller assembly, especially if you have families and that kind of thing. You just think everybody knows everything. But it's good to bear record of, of, of glorious things before the church. He, they bore record of the glorious work of God through Gaius and the love of God through Gaius before the church. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing to do. 
Um, I made mention of it when we got back from Florida, uh, uh, of the true love that was extended both from an individual member over there and the assembly itself. Uh, they helped us on our journey. And, and, and as that, that church sent us, the, the in, individual uh, was, was a fellow helper of that. Y'all give me a, a monthly salary. And y'all are fellow helpers when, I, when I'm traveling and moving. Th- those are helps. Those are good. And it's God honoring. It really is. I believe those are all done in church capacity there. So in receiving such, one becomes a fellow helper. And now we're really getting to the the meat of the message here. Fellow helper or fellow laborer, co-laborer. And that's pretty amazing. Okay. So when you you look back in verse 8, he says, We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Now that we wasn't a group, uh, it wasn't the collection of the apostles that were still in Jerusalem or whatever. It wasn't some board of a presbytery of pastors exclusively. That we includes, I believe, every single member of the church where John was writing from, we. So if the youngest member was some five-year-old that, that, that knew that the Lord saved him and, and nothing but... Or if that we was some older, feeble person that couldn't get around, couldn't do anything, but yet they could still, in some capacity, in some capacity, receive those people who were there for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for his namesake, then they would be fellow laborers of the truth. That's what it says. That we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Not that some of us would be fellow helpers, or the best of us would be fellow helpers, or the smartest or the richest or the whatever, the loudest, whatever. But that we, that, that collective local body, would be fellow helpers to the truth. And that really gets exciting. That really does. To me, it does anyway. Some people are helpers in preaching it. Okay, So it's not like they're helpers to John or helpers to Gaius or fellow helpers to the to the uh, to even those people that were traveling, their fellow helpers or co-laborers to the truth for the truth's sake. So then, those that were first co or fellow helpers, co-laborers, then were those that were broadcasting the gospel. Those that had come from Gaius to John. Okay, so those that actually preach or broadcast the word of God are fellow helpers to the truth. Um, because I do uh, a lot of the teaching here. I believe that I'm a fellow helper in preaching the truth, okay? And so are all the ministers of of the Word of God, specifically those of His assembly. But there are also some helpers that are being presently supportive, okay? So tonight, y'all are presently supportive. You are, tonight, you're a present fellow helper in the truth. The truth of the Word of God being preached, you're a present fellow helper. That is wonderful. It really is, okay? Look at Acts chapter 17 just for a moment, and it'll prove the point, okay? Uh, and, and, and maybe it might not seem like that big of a deal right now in this setting, just a handful of people on a Tuesday night and, 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 and whatever, but go back in your mind a couple months ago when we're in the presence of about 75 Lutherans, right? And the gospel is being preached, Yes, I was a fellow helper in that I was broadcasting the gospel, but because you were there with your smiling face, you're just as much of a fellow helper in the truth as I am, you see. Look what happens in in Acts chapter 17 and verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and uh, and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as his manner was, as his manner was, went in in unto them, and three days... And three days, three Sabbath days, reason with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must have, must needs have suffered and rise again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed, and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. Okay, so you see that some believed. At first, it says it was Paul's manner, right? But they didn't even get Silas's name. Drop down then further, and they, they chased him out of the place, and he went to Berea, and, and then the, the people of Thessalonica in verse, 11, uh, uh, verse number 13, but when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that, uh, that the word of God was preached by Paul in Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. Then the multitude 
Then, then, and then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still. Now, now there's Silas and Timothy. Now turn over, if you would please, to 1 Thessalonians. Again, being a fellow helper, it was Paul's manner to stand in the, in the synagogue and allege. But there you have Timothy, and there you have Silas. And 1 Thessalonians, please, and you have chapter 1 and verse 1. This is so important. You should be, you should be so encouraged for the truth's sake and being a fellow helper in the truth. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Silvanus, which is a, another interpretation of Silas, and Timotheus. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy, same three, to the Thessalonians, where they had just visited in Acts chapter 17. Okay? If you read the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul says that he came with fear and trembling. Why? Because those in Thessalonica chased, chased them out. So Paul and Silas and Timotheus, under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 2 and verse 17. But brethren, we being taken from you for a short time, we, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore we would have come, we, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once, uh, once and again. But Satan hindered us, Paul, Silas, Timothy. For what is our hope? Paul, Silas, Timothy. Paul was the, the one doing all the talking. But in our hope, they were fellow helpers. Why? They were there and supportive of Paul. What is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Casting crowns before the feet of God in Revelation chapter 4. Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our crown, or excuse me, our glory and joy. A fellow helper. So the reason I read all that. As John is saying, hey, we might be fellow helpers to the truth, that, that we of that church body, maybe there were people there that they just showed up to the evening fellowship meeting. And they had smiles, and they didn't have much money to give, but they were there, they were present, and the gospel was preached. They were just as much a helper to the truth as anybody was. And if anybody, any souls were saved, I believe that if there's any crowns of rejoicing, then the fellow helpers in that would likewise partake in the same. It's such a wonderful thing. Don't ever take, please don't ever take your presence in the Lord's assembly lightly. You are a fellow helper to the truth. Such a wonderful thing. For the glory of God, a wonderful thing. In public ministry as we go out, fellow helpers in the truth. In the ministry of this church, you know, as a, we would go out to the park and I did the preaching, y'all were there. Y'all were fellow helpers to the truth. Fellow helpers, fellow co-laborers. Y'all are partakers of that support. So some people are, think about this in the reverse way. Is it encouraging or discouraging when people aren't here? Think of people in your mind. I'm not going to name anybody, but when someone's not here, is it encouraging or discouraging? Is it, is it a help to the truth or a hindrance to the truth? Okay. If I wasn't here tonight, would I be helping? Would I be a fellow helper of the truth or would I be a hindrance to the truth by not being here? I know there are circumstances uh, that people can't, can't be in different places, health and so on. But being present is a big part of, of being a fellow helper in the truth. There are also people that are, are fellow helpers in the truth in finances and support of the work, and, and they, they become co-laborers. I mean, we, we support missionaries abroad, Thailand, uh, Romania, right? Um, Australia, fellow helpers in the truth. You may or may not have met these people. You may or may it's been a long time maybe. But those finances go toward the gas and the labors and the efforts and the food and, and all the things that those people need to do to be a helper of the truth or to broadcast the gospel of Jesus Christ. And with finances, maybe some of the we here in 3 John, maybe, maybe that's what they had. They had a little bit of extra money that the Lord blessed them with, and they were able truly to be a, uh, a fellow helper in that. Financially supporting those that come to be with us for the, God, for, the, for the gospel's sake. Conference is coming up. Be a fellow helper in the truth. Desire, desire to help these people 
in their travel and their journey and all. You think about people that, that maybe brothers and sisters, for mercy's sake, their, their spouses have died and we send love offerings and support. Well, that's being a fellow helper in the truth. And, and that those that have dedicated their lives for the gospel's sake, supplying to those that they leave behind. I believe that's also an extension. Things like that, being a help, a fellow helper of the truth. To the truth, that is. And these things, the, the work has continued and, and through the genuine brotherly and sisterly hospitality that we have seen uh, such as this. There are some pastors that couldn't afford to be a pastor if it were not for the, the fellow helping there of the church and the assembly. Philip did all these things. He was a fellow helper. Look in Acts chapter uh, 21, if you would, please. Acts chapter 21. I really still am, for the glory of God, I'm, I'm impressed with this man, Philip. He, he's, a, he's a good demonstration of the work of God and a child of God. Uh, Acts chapter 21, verse 8. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed. What were they doing? They're sharing the gospel. And came unto Caesarea, and we, and we entered into the house of Philip, the evangelist. Well, there's, he, he's a helper too. He's one that actually broadcasts the gospel. But whenever they came in to Philip's house, he took care of them. So not only was he a fellow helper as a first line, uh, front line, you could say, speaker of the gospel, but also by his means and methods, he also helped those that were also fellow helpers of the gospel. It says he was one of the seven and abode with him. He gave up his house there. And the same had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. So tarrying there many days, he supplied them food, he supplied them shelter, he supplied them fellowship, he took care of them. They knew that he was a, a, um, a, um, an evangelist. He would go, went out with the gospel, and I believe they, they saw him in that ministry. And they, between all three, uh, all these people, they were fellow helpers of the gospel. They gave him, they, uh, Philip would have given them encouragement to continue going for Christ's sake and the truth. It's wonderful. And being a true man of God, and he uh, says in Acts chapter 6 that it gives a description of what kind of man he was. And we can look at that real quick. Acts chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. What kind of man was this? What kind of a man is a fellow helper? What kind of man is a fellow helper? It says in verse 3, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So helping them, helping these, these, these ministers, even so that they could see the duty of the ministry. So taking work off their plate, he was a fellow helper of the gospel, that the word of God would continue. And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they prayed, they laid hands on them. Look at this. And the word of God increased. So Philip then, in addition to housing and supplying and doing all that stuff from the very beginning of his calling there as a deacon, he, uh, he just by him doing the things that they asked him to do in a, in a in a practical way that he was a helper of the truth. He was a fellow helper of the gospel. Do you see it? There's so many ways that a child of God serving through the Lord's New Testament church can can be a fellow helper of the gospel. They can preach it themselves to a lost and dying world. They can be supportive of it in presence. They can finance it. They can be financiers of it through their means. And also simply removing tasks from those that are on the front line so that it frees them up unto study and meditation and prayer and the diligence of the ministry. There is much room, there is much room for children of God to be fellow helpers to the truth. It's not just a, min a ministerial pastor pulpit deal. There, there is room for every believer. There is room for every believer to be a fellow helper to the truth. So I'd encourage you. In, in your own lives, see how that not only how that you are a fellow helper, 
But how can you expand that role? How can each of us expand that role? Well, each of us could tell more people of the gospel, and each of us could be more supportive of one another as the other tells others of the gospel. As far as tithing and offering and sacrifice and all that kind of stuff, is there more that we could give to missions? Well, again, our, our, our resources are limited. We're a, a small group. But is, is there other ways, anything else that we can do as far as helping others in such a way? And also, again, just in a, in a, in a practical way, what can one do, son? What can one do that their pastor can have more time for study and for prayer? Something to think about, right? Something to think about. So they received them, and that's, that's really good. The contrast comes, and we're not going to dig deep into diatrophies tonight, but I do want you to see some of the contrast, okay? So you see all these ways that someone could be a fellow helper of the gospel. Now read, please, with me, verses 9 and 10. I wrote unto the church, but diatrophies, who love to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. So that's different from receiving and receiving not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us or talking nonsense with malicious or wicked or evil words, and not content therewith, neither, or not satisfied therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, forbidding them that would. So not only would he not receive those that testified of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth of the word of God and, 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 and these such, but he also would be highly upset with of people that would receive those people and casteth them out of the church. Okay? So let's put this to some practical use. Let's say that I wanted to invite Brother Larry Wilson over here for a meeting. And let's say, he's not, you're not, Lex, but let's say you played the part of diatrophies. So as I was going to invite Brother Wilson over here to preach and share the word of God, you would do everything in your power to prevent that. And also anybody that was on my side to invite him or receive him, you would also attempt a coup and dismiss them from the membership of that church, from this church. Does that sound? Okay, now read verse 11. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Receiving those in the truth and not receiving those in the truth. That, that appears to be pretty black and white, doesn't it? That's, that appears to be so straightforward. And we're going to do an entire mini-series, at, at least one message on this man, maybe two. But know that not receiving, and this might sound pretty simple but, and oversimplified, but not receiving in verses 9 and 10 is the opposite of receiving in verse 8. Right, being hospitable in verses eight, verse eight is the opposite of being not hospitable in verses nine and ten toward the brethren, toward those that bring the truth. Being a hindrance or forbidding those that bring the truth is the opposite of helping or receiving them. Okay, so what if instead of Brother Raul we send him some some support? What if we were were sending letters over to Romania trying to undermine him with malicious words and destroy his ministry. Well, that's a lot different, isn't it? Rather than being a help and receiving or being hospitable, we'd be a hindrance and obstructive and forbidding those things. That's a lot different. What about doing evil? Isn't that opposite of doing good? Verse 11? Sure it is. Having not seen God is opposite to being of God. Th th those are opposite things. So if someone is not a fellow helper, they're a hinderer. And whose fellow are they? Whose co-laborer or whose fellow helper are they? Remind, back, remind yourselves back to John chapter 15. Please put your eyes on it. How, how was Diatrophes behaving himself? John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If the world doesn't receive you, you know that it didn't receive me before it didn't receive you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. If these men of the truth that love the truth and love walking in the truth and had testimonies of the truth within the church, 
if they were uh, if Diotrephes and these men were of the same Diotrephes would have received them but because you're not of this world because these men were different than Diotrephes and Diotrephes was different than these men but I have chosen you out of the world therefore the world hateth you you see that Diotrephes, and we're going to get into the details of his of his character again next week. But he was not chosen out of this world. He's behaving as worldly as he as one could possibly be. He was behaving in such a way that he didn't receive the brethren. He was a hindrance and forbid them that 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 would even receive the brethren. And he was one that did evil and had evidence that he had not seen God. As much as being a helper of the truth in preaching, it, it, one, as much as one could be a helper in the truth in preaching, one can be a hindrance to the truth to try to silence it. Right? What did in Acts chapter 4, look over there, Acts chapter 4 and verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they had taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in the hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Are those people, were they a fellow helper to the truth or a hindrance to the truth? How were they different from Diotrephes? Diotrephes didn't put anybody in prison, but he cast them out of the church. He, he didn't he didn't uh, he didn't rail on them but he did right uh, these the he, well wait a second he wasn't a chief priest and a Sadducee but he loved to have the preeminence he had his own little thing going there you see there was very little difference if you really pare it down very little difference between what these men were doing in Acts chapter 4 and what Diotrephes was doing instead of being a, a helper of the truth and and and, and, and preaching it, he was a hindrance to the truth and desiring to, to silence it. As much as somebody can be a helper in being presently supportive in the ministry, and again, I thank God for you, for your present support, being a hindrance would be to reject it or be angry at it, right? So in your own minds, in the past, when we've had people storm out of here, we've had, we've had members and guests and all kinds of people in between, in the middle of services, get up and go straight out that back door and be mad. Is that a fellow helper to the truth or a hindrance to the truth? I believe it's a hindrance. It certainly wasn't a help. As much as being a helper and being financially supportive, being a financial helper in tithing and offerings and, and substance and all, it would be a hindrance to withhold substance. We were reading in, in the book of Proverbs. If you turn over there, Proverbs chapter 3, if you would please. He says in, in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. That means it's good to have stuff and it's good to honor the Lord with your stuff. Withholding honoring the Lord with your stuff is actually a sin. He says, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I believe that was real barns and real presses. But considering this church house as a type of a barn or a picture of a barn, if we truly gave it the first fruits of ourself and our substance and everything, would it be possible that, that the Lord, if we were simply obedient to his call to testify of the grace of God unto all men by all means that we have, isn't it possible for the Lord that this barn full of wretched animal human beings is it impossible for the lord to fill this barn out i don't believe so i don't believe so at all so i do believe as much as being a helper to in preaching and present support and finances uh, would be a fellow helper of the truth and then it would be a hindrance to silence the truth or try to obstruct the preaching of the word of God, to, to reject it and be angry with it, and also withhold the substance. And the first substance that any of us has by birth is our bodies, our natural bodies. Fellow helpers, co-laborers. Diotrephes was not a co-laborer. He was not a fellow helper. John desired to be a fellow helper. It's also wise not to receive those who are not of the truth. Okay, just because they, they look, they, they received these people 
for the namesake of Jesus Christ to be fellow helpers to the truth. Well, if someone is not a fellow helper to the truth, I believe we're not obligated to receive them, and I don't believe we should receive them, not in this capacity. And those truths are the gospel truth, the, uh, the truth, of dearth, uh, truth in church doctrine, and also truth in walk. In, second, in 3 John 11, that's, that's what he's talking about, doing good and doing evil. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. Receive that which is good. Right? Receive that which is good. Be a fellow helper with that which is good. Don't, don't receive that which is evil. Don't be a fellow helper with that which is evil. I believe those are logical conclusions. You see in 2 John verse 3, 2 John and verse 3, uh, being a fellow helper of the gospel, he says, Grace be with you and, uh, mer and mercy and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. It's wise to be a fellow helper. John was a fellow helper to one elect lady, to the, uh, to the elect sister. They were fellow helpers one with another, encouraging one another and receiving one another uh, for the truth's sake, for the gospel's sake. Of the truth, he says in 2 John verse 1, the elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I, not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. So being a fellow helper... A co-laborer then receiving with hospitality those that are have a standing with the gospel and have have a have a, a standing with the truth and also those of church doctrine, a church teaching. Okay, Second John verses four through six. I rejoice greatly that I found thy children, the membership there. Okay, not 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 a loose, random, universal group of people somewhere, but the children of a local body. Walking in truth, trusting the Lord and doing what he says. As we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, local church there, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. That commandment that they had from the beginning was the commandment that the Lord Jesus Christ gave in John chapter 14. Remember that passage? Look back there in John chapter 14. So this, he says, it's not a new commandment have I written unto you. Again, these are people supportive and fellow helper, helpers in a church capacity. Okay? Let's see here. John chapter 14. In verse 28, ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you should, you would rejoice because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it come to pass that when it has come to pass, you might believe. Herefore, I will not talk much. Let's see here. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh. That nothing in me. Let's see, I said chapter 14. I believe it's chapter 13. Yeah. It's chapter 13. Excuse me. Chapter 13 and verse 33. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. And now I say unto you, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. So it was a new commandment to the Lord's assembly there in John chapter 13. But in 2 John, he says, not a new commandment. A new commandment, uh, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning. Who? The Lord's church, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. So then receiving those that are of the Lord's assembly through church truth, through church doctrine, who, who stress the points of trusting the Lord and doing what he says, and also have a, an accompanied walk. I will not and we should not receive nor should we house, nor should we fund, nor should we join, nor should we say amen, nor should we walk with those who are not consistent with those items. Can I, can I have Christian fellowship with a believer? Yes. But I should not be a fellow helper to those things that are, that are contrary to these purest elements of the gospel, the truth of the word of God, the, the truth concerning the Lord's church, and the truth of how children of God are to behave in the Lord's assembly. 
And by God's grace, I will not be a partaker of their evil deeds. We read that in 2 John. For he that biddeth him God's feet is a partaker of his evil deeds. It says in 2 John verse 11. As evil as it was for Diotrephes to hinder the truth, it would be evil for, a, for me to be a helper of a lie. It would be. See, these men were not received, but they were, they, were, they were fellow helpers to the truth. And Gaius, protecting his lies and his, his self, was not a receiver or partaker with them. So the opposite is also true. For someone to be a fellow helper or an assister or co, a sister or a, a co-laborer with a lie, it would be just as evil because it is opposed to being a fellow helper of the truth. Put it in a very, very, very direct way. Can you be a fellow helper of Satan and a fellow helper of God Almighty at the same time? What fellowship, what concord hath their God with Belial? That's what Paul asked the church of Corinth. So then, as helpful as Gaius was to the truth, it would likewise be right to hinder or refute lies. I don't think we should go to other assemblies and throw bricks through the window and march on their front yard and scream at people. But I also don't think it would be wise for us to find common ground and try to promote one another either. Not meeting for so ecumenical breakfast at McDonald's and try to find common ground. How, how can we get along to move forward? Why well, a truth can't move forward with lies. Just can't. So please don't be a fellow helper of lies. Please don't be a fellow helper of those things which are evil. Beloved, follow not that which is evil. That's what he says in verse 11. Read it with your own eyes. Beloved, follow not that which is evil. Don't receive it. Don't be a fellow, help, fellow helper of it. Don't be a co-laborer in it. Don't give it your time. Don't give it your attention. Don't give it your finances. Don't give it your support. Don't give it your thumbs up. Don't even give it your silence. Okay? Don't give it your silence. Today in a group text message at work, somebody said that they said something about trick-or-treat somewhere over at one of these nursing homes. You can take the kids and go get some, some candy. Well, I couldn't give that my silence. I couldn't give that my silent consent. And people have their different ideas about that, and they're, they're entitled to their opinions, but I cannot, before God, give a lie or give evil Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. With a good conscience toward God, I cannot give a silent consent to something like that. And neither should we. Should we be ugly and nasty and call names and that kind of stuff? Absolutely not. But don't be silent. Don't be silent. Silent is, silence is a form of consent. Okay. As a helper, as a fellow helper to the truth, Gaius and John and these men would likewise be right to refute lies and not follow that which is evil. I want you to see something real cool here at the close too. In, in verse number eight, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. The student became the teacher here. Okay, So John, Gaius was the student because in verse four he says, I have no greater that to hear that my children walk in truth. So in, in that illustration, was he actually John's child? I don't know, but he was a subordinate to him, and he, and he was uh, he brought to maturity under John's uh, ministry, to say the least. But Gaius taught John to be a fellow helper. Okay, So this is important. It really is. Wherefore, because, because Gaius, what we have seen in you and because what these people have testified in you and your help to them and your expression of walking in the truth and your love, which they testified to the church, John is saying to Gaius, I have learned from you and I, learning from you, want to be a fellow helper. Okay? Even John had room to grow and learn then, didn't he? That's, I think that's important for us to see. Um, John, think about this. This is a guy that was there. He was there when Jesus Christ calmed the Sea of Galilee. He was there when he was transfigured. He was there when Jesus Christ was risen from the dead and he saw him with his own eyes. That's what it says in 1 John. We've handled, I heard him, I saw him with my own eyes. 
And here's a man with all this spiritual maturity and understanding learning from the guy that learned from him. It would not be an impossible thing then, and actually has happened quite frequently, that I have learned from this congregation. And that's okay. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. There's room to if there was room to grow for John to, that he could see that he could be a fellow helper to the truth in this capacity. Then there's room for me. If I said, you know what, I've already learned what I want to learn. No, because I learned from John, who learned from Gaius two thousand years ago. There's room for all of us to grow in this stuff, right? To be fellow helpers. And be honest with yourself, throughout this message, has there not been some light shined on you somehow, how you can be a fellow helper to the ministry, a fellow helper to the broadcasting of the truth of God's word? I believe so, but, you know. If not, then schedule some time with me and, and we'll go to this practical way and I'll tell you some things you can take off my plate that, that would help me, that, I could, that you could be a fellow helper to the ministry. No doubt, he was, no doubt. Listen, now think about this. When Gaius received this letter, wherefore we ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Wouldn't that, isn't that a big deal? I know there's some men that in the ministry I look up to tremendously. I don't worship them, but I look up to them a whole lot. And they have told me things that have been an encouragement to me. A few years ago, we were in North Carolina. Brother Leroy Pack, I, uh, he means so much to me. He pulled me aside and said something to me, and I started crying right there on the spot because the Lord has used that man in such a way. So for him to think, for him to say something that would give me encouragement like that, it just meant so much to me. Imagine what this letter meant to Gaius. Imagine. Because, honestly, John, he was... A minister of the truth, right? And Gaius probably thought that he was a fellow helper to get to, to John or tried to be. So that now that John's saying he's a fellow helper with Gaius and these other men, boy, that must have been a real encouraging turn of events. You could see, you could see how that would encourage him by telling him, "Look, son, I like what you're doing. In fact, what you're doing, I'm going to incorporate some of that stuff in my life, growing." I believe that was. I believe that was a wonderful note for John to put in there. I really do. As a, as a dad and as a husband and as a person, just in general, that's something I could stand to grow in and is encouraging others that, hey, look, I have, I have grown by this and, and I thank you for what you're doing, right? The, I mentioned different aspects of being a, a fellow helper earlier. And sometimes I, I take it for granted, and I shouldn't, but sometimes I take it for granted just your, your being here and your appreciation and your attentiveness to the Word of God because it's so rare in this world. I've shown you this before. That's a remnant, right? This is so rare comparatively, and I should thank God every day for you and just be so encouraged that any of y'all are here. I thank God for you. The things that you do around the church, the, the, you know, the sweeping and the picking up and all those things that I that I don't care to do necessarily. And, and just a wonderful encouragement to me, fellow helpers. Children of God, how can how can each of us be a further fellow helper for, to the truth and not not to me and not to you? But to the truth, and, and who is the truth? Not what is, but who is the truth? Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, you know, receiving me as your pastor, you do that with all hospitality for the gospel's sake, you do that, and I thank you for it. Receiving other preachers as ministers of the truth, and you do that, and I thank you for it. People leave out of here so welcome, so welcome by your reception of them. Receive those that show forth evidence uh, of the truth for the gospel and then good works, and that's good. But likewise in that, in being a fellow helper of the truth, if someone's in error, what's it say in James? If someone's in error, turn over there just for, just for a moment. To be a fellow helper in the truth, 
He says in verse uh, chapter 5 and verse 19 of James, chapter 5, verse 19, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, well, how do you do that? How do you be a fellow helper of the truth there? Well, you in converting them, you got to let them know. That's, that's a fellow helper in the truth. If something's wrong, if somebody's walking off the path, they got to know. Let him know. That's what it says. Let him know. You want to be a fellow helper of the truth? Let him know. That he which converteth the sinner from the earth of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Well, there, right there we can be fellow helpers of the truth. We're to get together. We're to provoke each other in love and good works. Fellow helpers in the truth. In this assembly, fellow helpers in the truth. Please receive those of the way or of the Lord's church. Yes, believers, there's not every believer is a member of the Lord's local church, and I, I, I'm aware of that. But those particularly of the way, the, uh, as it's called in the New Testament, the Lord's local church, with all readiness of mind and enthusiasm, we should desire to be co-laborers or fellow helpers with them. With our personal testimony of the truth, with our physical supportive presence, it's not a help to the church, the truth, or to others to be absent from the services. It's not a help. Again, is it a help or a hurt? Does it hinder or does it promote the work of the Lord to not be here, to not physically be present? And the same applies to all of us. You know, if, if, and I've done, uh, this has happened to me before, believe it or not. If someone sits in the assembly, they might be present, but if they sit there red-faced and mad with a scowl on their face, are they a fellow helper to the truth or are they a hindrance to the truth? What if you were talking to me and I was just going like this the whole time? Would you, would you think it's a very fun conversation? No. What if, what if is, it, is, is it a help or a hindrance to be in, indifferent or busy in the room or, or, or just in thoughtfulness or, or daydreaming or going to frequent bathroom breaks? We used to be a member of a church where there would be a girl that she'd get up and go to the bathroom five or six times in a service. That's not helping. And she was just bored. She was a college student. Is that a hindrance or a help? Be, be a fellow helper. Come in already in prayer, in tune, looking for things in the Word of God. And I believe you do. But look for those things the more. Be in tune with the things of God. Be in prayer, being concerned for one another. What does the Word of God have to say today? You know we're going through 3 John on Tuesday nights. Have you read it week by week? Are you falling in love with Gaius and Demetrius and John and the others here? Have you already seen those things that we're going to speak of on diatrophies and, and how, how shameful his behavior was? With a smile and gladness, that's a big help. There's, there's women in here, you know, you, you don't shout amen and, 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 and whatever, but smiles and, and gladness, that's a big help to a speaker of the truth. Again, much, much better than scowls and indifference. Amens are a help. An encouragement as well. Amen. You know, to, some, to say amen. I agree. Yes, that's right. It is God's word. It is God's truth. It is his gospel. This is his assembly. With our finances, with our abilities, with our substance, and, and even with our time. You see, with our time. Giving each other our time as well. You know, so I, I, I've been the person and I've, I've also seen these people that, you know, come into church late and leave early. Don't, don't give others their time and don't give consideration proper to the church time. Everything you got. We should consciously look to be fellow helpers, all of us, myself included, how to be a better fellow helper. Else we run the risk of being a hinderer. Okay? A hinderer. Promoting error. You see, if I'm not, a, if I'm not listening attentively then maybe when something comes up in the community or in my personal life and I, and I don't know what to say because I haven't been listening, then I could actually agree to something that's a lie and be a hinderer to a truth and a fellow helper to a lie. That's a big responsibility for a, for a listener, isn't it? Promoting error, one cannot be a fellow helper to the truth. That sounds dumb just saying it, but it's, but it's obvious 
You can't be a fellow helper to the truth and a helper to a lie. You can't do that which is evil and that which is good at the same time. And you can't follow that which is evil and follow that which is good at the same time. Be careful not to be a partaker of evil deeds, but diligently diligently desire to be a godly helper of the truth. Again, in 3 John, verse 11, he says, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. Well, what's that? Being a fellow helper of the truth. You know, following or, or receiving or, or doing, which way are you going? There's only good and evil, right? There's good and evil. That's what he's talking about. There's no in-between, and there's no gray zone as much as this world wants to say that there is. Apply these things and and follow helpers and, and, and be a helper of fellow helpers for the truth's sake and for the gospel's sake. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Well, who are you helping? Who are you receiving? Who are you a co-laborer with? In what direction are those feet going? Please consider these things as I have. It's a big deal. It's a big because everybody's a fellow helper of something. Again, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. So everyone is a fellow helper of something. A sinner in their lost condition is a fellow helper of evil. They're they're fellow helpers of Satan. Act as the or behave as the children of disobedience. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter two. Who are we helping? What are we helping? What are we fellow helpers to? He says, wherefore ought we to receive such, the brethren, those that are for Christ's sake among the church, that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Children of God, I encourage you in those things. Sinner, you can't stand the truth. You want to have the preeminence. We read that in about the atrophies. He loved to have the preeminence. What's that mean? He's full of ambition. He likes the idea of being a leader. He likes the idea of being numero uno. Wants to wants to be like the main prize of all things. Everything revolved around him. And that's where you are. You want it all about you. In all honesty, the truth offends you. The diatrophies wouldn't receive these people because the truth offended him. And the truth offends you. I know because I was unsaved once. And the truth truly did offend me. And I say this also, being a saved person but still a human being, the truth does still offend me. Thank God for the gospel. Thank God for that that desire through the Spirit of God that I would desire to be happy in the Lord and desire to be uh, one that, that considers my own wisdom as just wrong. And that the wisdom of God is right. In honesty, the truth offends you. You don't receive it, let alone try to help the truth. You don't receive it. That's why you're not saved. You don't believe it. You don't receive it. It's not welcome to you. There's no hospitality with the truth of God's word. Well, I want you to hear the truth of the gospel. That because of the fall, because Adam sinned, death passed upon all men. And I know everybody's a sinner because everybody's dying. And that reality of death is a very, very, very powerful reminder, isn't it? Truth of the matter is all of us deserve to die. We deserve to die and face the judgment of God. There's none to do with good. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born of a woman, came to this earth. And for his people, he stood in the wrath of God, the just for the unjust. And he took the place of his people. The wrath of God I deserve. God placed upon him. He satisfied that wrath, was buried and rose again, showing himself to be ever victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. He did it. He won. Now that might sound like a reasonable truth. Some people like the idea of that. What gets people and what bugs people What makes people hate, they even hated Christ when he said it, is all of that gospel truth is true and consistent for those who turn their back on themselves. You can't have the blessings of the gospel outside of God-granted repentance. You cannot have Jesus Christ as your Savior 
and still be okay with you. Diotrephes loved to have the preeminence. He loved to think of himself as the guy that was in charge and everything was just you know, all about him. That everything was just so sweet and glorious and he was just some great guy. And any truth that consisted of the gospel of Jesus Christ was to him nonsense. Look in Colossians chapter 1. Speaking of Jesus Christ, Colossians chapter 1. The Lord Jesus Christ, at verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things are created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That sounds like pretty amazing language, doesn't it? And he is the head of the body, the church. The local church there at Colossae, right? People use that verse and say that there's an invisible church. No, he's the head of the church at Colossae, just like he's the head of the church in Silsby and everywhere else where his name is named and and the authority is there. Who is the beginning? The firstborn from the dead. Then in all things he might have the what? Preeminence. So for Diotrephes to think he had the preeminence, that puts himself on equal footing with God, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. Sinner, that's where you put yourself too. It's a satanic point of view. Satan said himself, I will be like the Most High. And that's what Adam said. I'll eat this and I'll be like the Most High. And that's what you say when you call yourself preeminent. I will be like the Most High. You must repent of that. You are commanded to repent of that. And that in Jesus Christ, he having the preeminence, he is Savior. He can save his people alone from their sin. Believe the truth of the gospel. No longer reject it. No no longer, no longer deny that. And I, I know that's a work of God, but you are personally responsible for denying the truth of the word of God. In denying this truth, um, Diotrephes, he cast the people out of the church. You'll be cast alive in the lake of fire. Isn't that something? Now I encourage you. Believe the truth of the gospel. Believe in the preeminence of Jesus Christ. And turn your back on the idea of your own preeminence or your, your own idea that you are uh, something to be had or first place or some prize. No, repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be saved. One trusting in the Lord, they are a fellow helper of the truth. Well, what do you mean fellow helper? You don't save yourself. It's not of him that willeth or him that runneth, but God that showeth mercy. What's the first act of someone that has been saved? What do they do? They testify of what great things the Lord has done for them. They become a great theologian in the day of their salvation. I was, I deserve to die and be judged by God's grace. I am what I am. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.